Also, just imagine being the guy in prison, right? You turn, what are you here for? Raped someone to death. What about you? Match six, Valorant. Valorant, why don't you play CSGO? Look, I'm already in fucking prison, mate. Can you give me a break? So... Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Side Select. We've got some lovely esports things to talk about today. Some pretty... Uh, Spicy topics, actually. A lot has been happening in the world of esports recently. Some kind of heavy things to go over as well. Maybe some uh, dark days on the horizon for, for esports across the board. My name is Foxtrot. I'm joined, obviously, by... Uh, my son already grinning. You look like you, like you want to... Oh, <laughs> oh he's got there blue. It is. There he is. He's got blue. He's all right. It's all right. Just save that for you, Foxtrot, especially for you. Keep, it, keep the theme Honestly. going. Honestly, I love that so much. What, is, so what is that? Powerade? That's or just something. Gatorade. Yeah, oh. it's, not, it's nothing crazy. But if you haven't seen the last episode or whatever it was, go back and check yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. It was either the last one or the one before that. What what color? What color yeah. is the is is your your go to choice? And uh, blue it is. Blue. If if you're only listening to this, not not seeing this, Thorin is brandishing a beautiful blue beverage today for the show. Uh, yes, Boxdrop, Thorin, Rich, we're all here to talk about esports stuff. And of course, most importantly, I've got to ask you guys a food related question. That's how we kick things off, get us warmed up before we get into the real meat and veg of the show. Now, the thing is, like, we've been doing a few of these side selects now, and I'm kind of running out of things to ask you. Although the world of food is exceptionally vast and bountiful, my brain, however, not so much. I'm not sure if I've asked you this question yet or not, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your food opinion that will get you absolutely blasted? Not by an online community, not if you tweeted out, uh, you know, steak is overrated. You, you know, everyone on the internet site got a boner for steak. But by your peers or your friends or your family, like your local kind of wherever you've grown up, you know, what is that opinion that 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 would get you blasted by uh, by those people? Okay, now, I do I've just want to say that Fox. I don't know how many episodes ago did promise when I brought up this possible dilemma that he would never run out of food related questions. So okay. you know, if this okay. is a recycled wow. one, then shame <laughs> on you. I definitely. This I may have asked you for your most maybe like your overrated food or nothing. We did have this like one. That, yeah, at least regard. I put the spin of the you know local yeah, localized. That's, that's the that's that. I think I've got an easy answer for I this. See. Okay, There's so a, we'll, the thing we'll people on, might not know about me is I actually don't like any beer or lager at all. There's none in the world I enjoy. Just no. something about the. I mean, I'll say I'm also not a big fan of bread, so I obviously just don't like that yeasty flavored. I don't like marmite. Just not, that type of a savory type flavor just doesn't vibe with me. And if you know, I come from the northeast of England. Like, spoiler, I also didn't grow up in the 2020s, did I, guys? So I can't even repeat what people would say to me when they were like, you're not drinking lager. What are you? Some kind of insert, insert. You know, you can re I've redacted all that for you all in the 2020s where you all get sensitive. So basically, people treated you like you actually weren't a, a male of the species and or you were just a cretin that you didn't like to drink lager or beer because essentially it's part of people's sort of cultural identity where I grew up. And in fact, it's one of the first things all... Foreign people say, when I say I don't like beer, they're like, but you're from England. It's like, first of all, mate, every country in Europe claims to be like a beer drinking culture. And then secondly, I think there's actually more than people realize. Like in my era was when they invented the alcohol pop 
And then now you have all those delicious... By the way, they don't have this outside of our country except for Sweden. They have all those delicious pear ciders with different flavours mm. and you get any flavour you want. That surely can't just be for ladies. Some of that must also <laughs> be people like me who just don't want beer. So even though to me it's not that edgy a topic, it's just like, is that a big deal? It's like if someone said you don't like milk, would you really go mad? But people have just built in their idea that being a man is to drink beer. So that, yeah. that's a pretty edgy take even to this day if I go back and see it. Because they're also thinking, you just, you'll like it when you grow up. It's like, I'll never like it, mate. I've tried it too many times. It's crap. <laughs> I don't like it. That's fair. That's fair. And I, I, I can remember when I was younger as well, out drinking and stuff. It's like, why have I got to drink this stuff that tastes like horse piss? And the girls are drinking this like really sweet and kind of sugary and nice Being a cloud or something looks awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like Sex on the beach. KDs and stuff. I'm like, why can't I drink that? Yeah. I remember I had one once. This girl was like, "Well, are you gay?" And I was just like, "What does that? How? How? Okay. What's this got anything to do with? You know?" So and- I carefully walked around that earlier, which I was clearly implying. That <laughs> yeah. I mean, straight into it. It's okay. No, it's but like this is the thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm quoting. I'm quoting. Okay. Because you know? I obviously your drink choice has nothing to do with your no, sexual orientation and using your and using gay as an insult by itself is just, just you know. But then again, this was like what in the 2000s. So to yeah. be fair, who knows? Um. Yeah, what about you then, Rich? What's your your local? See, I don't I don't know. You gotta give some context of where you grew up, though. Right? Well, yeah. He, so here's the thing. Like that, so uh, here's the thing. Because on that theme, like I, I'm from like the southeast. I've always either lived in London or like just outside of London. And uh, but I went to university in Swansea, right? But I do believe, or I have reason to believe, this is kind of like a universal thing, especially based on what you guys said. But it was the same. I remember my first year of university, like with all the other first years, like when you'd go out, have a drink or whatever, it was always like, oh, you can't have that. You can't have a Bacardi breezer. You can't have a fucking, what's the other one? Smyrnoff ice, whatever. But they soon realized that if you were going to drink quite a lot, especially like in volume and for cheap, Guess what? By second term, every fucker's drinking Bacardi. Those are always on offer as well. Yeah, Usually always. Like three for whatever. Yeah, whatever, if yeah. you're and if you're a student as well, like yeah. NUS card or whatever, one pound for a fucking yeah, every every time. So, oh, by the way, this will maybe blow you. It blew my mind. I only found this out last week. I couldn't believe it. Bacardi Breezer doesn't exist anymore. That blew my mind. Right. I was like, that was so popular. I'm that. that was like, <laughs> that was like, I'm Googling that shit. this is what will blow your mind even more, though, Fox. It hasn't existed for nearly like 10 years. I couldn't believe it. Oh. I could not believe it. Because when, again, when I was in university, like 18 to whenever, like 24 or so, I felt like that was like the drink. That was like the, the fosters of Alco Pops, but it just doesn't exist. But uh, yeah, so for me, I see, I actually have quite a lot because I'm like a very, unfussy when it comes to food like i eat most things so like even stuff like mushrooms like i find that's like quite a controversial one like some people just absolutely hate mushrooms um i don't know like even like baked beans as well seems to divide opinion like quite a lot like some people just can't hack it and even stuff like pineapple on pizza like i don't don't like pineapple on pizza but i'd eat it like i wouldn't i wouldn't be like oh i can't eat a hawaiian like if that was the only pizza choice and i wanted pizza i'd have a hawaiian so yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like pretty much every Oh, actually, I'll give you one which I guess is like I always maintain that Chinese food in this country is fucking dog shit because for me, it's like obviously spoiler, it's not actually like the food people eat in China, but also it's like just the most like salty, like processed. Like don't get me wrong, it can taste like nice, like you, you it's an indulgent. MSG in it for sure. Yeah, exactly. But like if you there's a big difference between having that than having like an Indian normally. Like an Indian is actually yeah. quite close-ish in some respects. And it's like actually full of some nutrition or whatever. Chinese food, I think is fucking terrible. But most people, friends I grew up with or whatever, they'd always pick having a like 
dirty Chinese over like. Uh, I do love Indian it, but it is a guilty pleasure. I'm with you. I yeah. know it's shit. I know it's definitely not like a, what a stir fry should taste yeah. like. And you feel kind of <laughs> sick by the end of it as well. It's one of those instant regret kind of foods. I feel so. Yeah, I, I think Chinese food in this country is pretty pretty bad usually. Dude, Cardi Breezer was discontinued in 2015. I cannot believe it. Yeah, I genuinely had no idea. I it's had mental. no idea. But wow, also all is... the ones that still exist, like WK, like I actually would turn up my nose at WKD because I thought that just take it was just Breezer, but shit, like just worse. But that's still going. Like mm. all the fucking, I think Smurdifies is still going. Like I don't know. I thought Breezer was like the that's like the McDonald's, you yeah, know, it's the top one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know that's what happened. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, well, to be honest, uh, my, my, my answer for this one would get me kind of like hung, drawn and quartered is, again, probably alcohol related because I don't drink at all. And I'm I'm in Essex. So it's like like the UK is a very drinking focused like uh, society, if that's the right phrase. Like, it, it's, it's honestly problematic. Like, I'm surprised. It's People not get really... uncomfortable if you say you don't drink, right? Right. Like it's and if, if, you're, if you're going out. Yeah. If you're going out, it's like you're expected to. It's like, what do you do if you don't drink? You know, I'm just like, well, you're stomach. gay, presumably. Going yeah, the well, same. there you back go. To that again, like, always yeah. back to yeah. that. In it. All loops back in. It's like a floor chart. <laughs> yeah. Straight up, it's just like, yeah. I mean, it's mental stuff. But I, yeah, I don't. I just don't enjoy it. Like, it's just not not for me. So I don't. I don't drink, and that's that always. Yeah. It is uh, definitely not what my local culture but is. Would, there, uh, let me ask you this, Fox. If you had to drink, right? If they were like, well, you got to have to have something, what yeah. would be your go to? Like, what I is go the... for ciders. Like, uh, like Thor mentioned pear ciders. Like, there's honestly, I can't remember. I think it's, I think it's a pear cider, but it's, it's, yeah, Bulmer's. Bulmer's pear cider. Yeah, I always really liked. Yeah, Classic. that's banging. I've always liked cider and, and, uh, like, I used to, when I was younger, I used to drink a bit heavily and you know it was the go-to was strong bow but that would you know as you grow up you realize mm. it just doesn't taste nice that's <laughs> like half lager half cider in it right mm, like it's just not room. really yeah whereas the an actual nice cider i can drink it like it's you know just like a soft drink which is not that's not good because you know you don't want to be just like chugging down alcohol as if it's as if it's no problem uh finally you mentioned chinese food as well because that was going to be my second answer as far as takeaway goes like people People really like Chinese food. I think there's like two dishes in, on the Chinese menu that I I would like, and that's you know like chicken satay or like chow mein. That's it. Okay. Nothing else. <laughs> that's like literally. I I just don't. I just don't like it. Not a spring roll um, fan. No, nah, not really. Honestly, not really. Like they're so greasy. Like you you hold them and you just feel like you know you could just yeah. I don't know. The problem is, especially if you don't know, like in the northeast, we have loads of the absolute cheapest possible Chinese places, like the place where they don't even. There's not even an option to sit inside. There's no restaurant. You just go in there to counter. Yeah. The guy brings yeah. the food out of a hole. You don't even know what happens back there. No joke. Loads of them have like been the best ones. Always get shut down for like health <laughs> conditions or whatever. Which sadly, like I don't know what the correlation is because it is the best ones that all get shut down. And basically, whatever it comes, it's like you actually. It's like Rich says, you just get conditioned to that flavor. You're not eating that food. Like for example they'll do like barbecue like spare ribs and it isn't barbecue in any context you've ever had but the sad thing is that like super salty msg flavor i can already taste it as i'm saying it and if i was if i was drunk or high now i would instantly order it if it was available so 
<laughs> it has it's, its who place. I was. It's who I was. <laughs> it, it has its place. It has its purpose. But yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely. It's also overrated. amazing how much takeaway food in the UK essentially just gets by because drunk people are eating it. It's actually yeah, ridiculous yeah, at this point, isn't it? It's yeah. sort of an indictment of our culture in a way. <laughs> Honestly, straight up. Honorable mention for caffeine, by the way, I'm gonna say as well. Everyone drinks caffeine. Oh, yeah, same. I don't drink, if you see, don't like I don't drink well, any yeah. caffeine at all. No, no coffee, energy drinks, nothing. No, not for me either. Right. Let's move on, though. Uh, we've done being contrarian. To be fair, we're gonna, probably going to be more contrarian as uh, as this goes on because that's that's where you've got to be on the internet. It's more fun than just agreeing with everything else. Let's, uh, let's get talking about some esports stuff. We'll start with some CSGO, and it is the uh, kind of a bittersweet, I suppose, topic here. It's the last ever major... It's, uh, of course, CS2 coming around the corner and we're waving goodbye to CSGO. And it kind of sort of went out on a bit of a whimper, if I dare say so. Um, I don't know if that's really fair to say because, you know, it, it kind of feels like CS2 is more like CSGO 1.5. Well, you can't really say that because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's you, not you, like know, you know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, it's gonna it's gonna continue. CSGO is not really gone anywhere. It's just blah blah blah. But still, we had the we had the last ever major and uh, Vitality. They won it all, easy peasy lemon squeezy, bringing down Game Legion in the finals. But oh my, like I can't believe I'm saying this, but Thorian had a controversial take on the old social medias. I am known to do that occasionally. Oh, well, very yeah. It's it's. I am quite shocked. I'm glad I'm sitting down. I may have just fainted and passed out. He said that uh, Vitality had the easiest path to a victory in a major ever in major history. This was the easiest dub for, uh, for, for any major, major winner. Uh, my question is, I don't know, I'm not going to ask Thorin this uh, to begin with, at least. I'll give, him, I'll give him the opportunity to explain it more and his thoughts, obviously. But Rich, I'll, I'll quite clearly come to you first for this one. Do you agree with him? Do you think this was like the easiest path uh, to, to, the, to, to a win in the major that Vitality was able to pick up? Or uh, do you actually disagree with that take? So this is why I wanted to do this, because obviously most people have already heard Thorin's like sort of quick crib notes take on it. But I wanted to chuck some devil's advocacy at him and see see what he thinks. Because I'm not like set on this at all. Like I have two majors that I would like put up if like sort of instinctively. One is a bit of a cheat answer, I would say. But again, I would still want to hear what he has to say about it and the other one i do think maybe has a more sort of legitimate case so i would start by saying and this is my admittedly cheat answer which is the first ever major right which was dreamhack winter 2013 for people who don't know which uh fanatic won um lots of familiar names on there devil walk probably one that a lot of newer fans won't know or maybe think of him as a coach or whatever but that team was not favored to win so i guess that's like an important piece of context here but if you actually go back and look at that major run so their group was like a pretty very winnable group but with the best team in it probably being the uh lgb team which was like for people who don't know it's actually uh crims and olof's like original team on csgo dennis as well i think was on that team um but because of the weird format back then Fnatic didn't actually play them in the group they played the other two teams who were less good so they didn't even have to play the best team in their group uh they just played a bad Navi team and missed a team called Clan Mystic, uh, for people who don't know. So, French side back in the day. But yeah, and then in the quarters, they played rec- uh, recursive, obviously. And then complexity. So to me, the only thing which sort of, you know, really 
elevates that as an achievement is obviously they beat the legendary uh, hot favorite NIP team in the final, which admittedly was like a very big upset, right? But is that enough for me to say that that's like, you know, that that's a more difficult path to a major? Like, I, I don't really think so. Because again, in my mind back then, for people who didn't watch it, there were only really two truly elite teams. The very games lineup, which then became Titan and then Envious after that, and obviously went on to win a major as well. And Nip, that was it. Like, I think all the other teams were a tier below. And as I said, arguably the most talented team in that tournament, not named Nip or Very Games, was the uh, LGB team, which they'd never actually played because of the weird group format. So that would be the first one. Although I do admit, like, yeah, some asterisks there. The other one I would put, I'm less sort of sure from this perspective, but I'd, I'd want Thorin's thoughts on this, is actually... ESL one Cologne 2016, which SK won previously Luminosity, and in the quarters again their group was like not. I mean they should have gotten out of their group, right? Like there was no surprises, um, especially as defending major champions. And then they played the Markolov uh, iteration of the flip side roster, which was not a particularly good team in my opinion. Uh, and then in the Bertus Pro series again it's. Hard to go back and like fully remember all the context, but I don't think Virtus Pro at this moment in time were like a great team. They were performing not particularly well in sort of non-major tournaments, but they always had it in them, like in the big games to be a threat, I suppose. But the really weird thing about that series, if people don't remember, is the map picks were really weird. Like SK picked Cobble, which was like actually a really good map for Virtus Pro. They'd won like six out of their last seven games on it or something. And then Virtus Pro picked Nuke, which was not at that time like a really big Virtus Pro map. So actually SK ended up losing their map, Cobble, in an overtime, which was super close. But I think in most, like if you played this series 10 times over, I think that the most of those times SK would win this series 2-0. Like I don't think this was like a titanic matchup given the context of the two teams at the time. And then obviously Virtus Pro had taken out Astralis before then, who were like a talented team. And then they end up playing Liquid in the final um, which again, people who don't remember, that's actually when Simple was on Liquid for a little bit. Um, but the final was like a massive stomp. It was not competitive at all. So I don't think that they and they, as I said before, like their group was like whatever as well. So I don't think there were any like Titanic uh, obstacles for SK in that series. Navi and Fnatic also like took each other out as well. Like who were other like possible contenders. So yeah, I would argue that both of those were slightly easier than Vitality's run. But I don't feel like strongly about it. I've, I'm just interested to see what, what Thorin thinks about those two. And I, I do admit that the DreamHack one is a little bit of a cheat one, but I think it's... It's, uh, it's funny you've chosen the very first one and we're talking about the very last one as well here. So it's like this, a sandwich of... You know, well, yeah, 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 the final, just... yeah. The final thing I would say on the first one as well is like, again, it's obviously you have to judge things like era for era to a certain extent, yeah. but like the teams were just generally way weaker again for people that don't know nip was like a collection of players were like some of the absolute best ever in 1.6 and very games were some of the absolute best ever in source and those were the two dominant teams at the start of csgo the other teams were not like particular it was a much weaker pool of players in general at that point you had loads of really talented guys around like kenny and some of the french guys were like hovering around these clan mystic teams whatever but they weren't actually that good at the time by comparison um, so yeah, th those would be the two I'd put up. Okay. And 
on it though if you okay. want to, yeah what's your retort to that yeah no problem obviously i have rich something of a disadvantage here don't i because a not only am i the esports historian b i just lived to yes i was at nearly all these events and on top of that it's very hard to use wiki sites and go back and look at these things because the context is always lost so i'll do the two majors he said first we'll dispatch of those and then we'll explain why this one was the easiest run so we'll start with the first ever major look in certain context it is right it was actually a three-day tournament only the final was in an arena which was the dream arena inside dreamhack the rest even the semi-final against very games and nip that epic one that people remember Backstage, was just in the yeah. tournament area these these aspects make it not as great right and in some senses not as hard you're not on a massive stage wall fans and people introduce yeah there's some elements like that <clears throat> but when you break the teams down like that the problem is as he says they beat nip in the final you'll notice when he said there was only two elite teams Fnatic wasn't one of them mm. so a team that wasn't an elite team beat one of the only two truly great teams in the world in the final spoiler that alone i could just stop right there that's better than anything vitality did in these playoffs because who really gives the monkeys what you do in the group stage your b or ones etc it's really about the playoffs that's what wins you the majors what you do in the quarters the semis the final and not only that normally if you want to upset a really amazing team who's like world of one on two you need to meet them in the quarters you need to get rid of them early before the pressure goes if they're in the final if people don't know there was a documentary crew following this team because this was the nip team that at the beginning of csgo went 87 and zero then after that people forget the 87 and zero only took them to like april the 2013 after that they just like would lose like one event every three months and just win every other event still and they still had some bonkers thing where it wasn't until the next year they ever even failed to finish top four at a land like they the, the actual span they had is better than 87 and zero that actually undersells it unfortunately so this team was insane and the reason the documentary crew was following them is because it was just a lock that them or very games was going to win and since they met in one of the semis you even had it where that was like the real final we thought like right well they've won they win the major now and in fact there's even an element as to why in theory it might have been easier for Fnatic to win is nip really did think we just won the real match like the other teams we take care of all the other teams none of these other teams can beat us then i'll add in that at this point in time nip had played 20 lands before this major there's only five they hadn't won and so to beat them you had to play the best day of your life and you still might not win by the way they should win all the time so to beat them is insane in the final. Then even the complexity team they beat in the semis, that actually was a pretty good team. They like upset the Astana Dragons team, which was a bunch of the like best CIS team. This was a team that always used to be top eight at the international tournaments. Like they actually were a solid enough team. They're way better than the teams we're talking about this match. Like fucking Apex and into the breach. Into the breach is no one. We'll get to that in a minute. Like this team actually had some tenure before, had tenure afterwards, and was a quality team. I think Sean Gares, the best NA IGL probably ever. Had people like Nothing who were studs coming from 1.6 once upon a time. Had Hiko, who actually was ranked one of the best players of the year. That year to a top 20 player in 2013 and then even the team they played the semi-finals like you say recursive was fucking kenny s kenny s was a stud from day one he was just young like this guy was fragging out all the time so these weren't bad teams like yeah certainly you got one that's not that great there but the real problem there is it more like if nip had somehow won you maybe could make the argument it didn't happen then you can go i wouldn't do the group stage so if i could do that like for example clan missing just won ESWC right before beating very games so aren't they good navi was a top 10 team and lgb had talent that as people saw in the group stage uh, the round of it tested uh nip after this and they just went on to become some of the best players ever so i'll take that one out. i'll do cologne pretty quickly the problem with the cologne one is he established that he cares about the group stage oh, the group there is called the group of death 
That was a team where, like, G2 was one of the best teams in the world. Fucking SK was one of the best teams in the world. Uh, Fnatic was one of the best teams in the world. And then Fears was just, like, an international team. They hadn't got Carrigan yet, but just stud riflers. Like, there's a world where you don't even get out of that group. There's be ones in that one. They got out of that one easy. Then they just went, as you say, Flipside was an easy opponent to draw. They always should have won that. Still made a bit of a dog's dinner on one of the maps because Blade picked into, like, the new nuke that no one was really playing. And then actually get, like, an epic overtime game because he was a genius even back then. The semis one, I've got to pull you up on that one. Because I actually, there was no HLTV. I, oh, there was by now. I used to do my own world ranking, so I pulled it up now. I had them rank eighth best team in the world. Before this tournament, they'd had top eight of the last major. They'd had top four at a CVO tournament, where I think they lost to, like, I'm not even sure on that one. And they had, like, top eight at Dream like Malmo Masters. They'd won, like, a Star Ladder, a smaller one. This was, like, still a very strong team. And the key thing about VP was this. Their slumps were online. They would, like, yeah, online, yeah, they would true. be shits. But in land, they were monsters. Like, everyone knew they were a nightmare to play. And crucially, this match, by the way, is actually mega. If you go watch this semi-final, it's a fucking heavyweight slogfest. And they almost actually win VP in the third map, Mirage. It's a really amazing game. That was always one of the best rivalries, SK versus Virtus Pro. Like, a week after the major, VP went back to E-League, where SK didn't play, and just won the league and beat Fnatic and won the whole tournament and beat Na'Vi and... Just had an amazing run. So they were actually sort of like an underrated team. So actually that one, I wouldn't even put that even close to the bottom. And then as well, we have the eyes. I don't have to just look at your opponents. If you watch the way SK played, even though now we actually sort of have retroactively taken the era from them because they didn't win enough tournaments. We called it an era when they won that because they went back to back in majors. First team, um, I think, to ever do that. Actually, No, actually, for that I could do it the previous year, but second team to ever do it. And they're from fucking Brazil, by the way, which was an irrelevant reason, region even a year earlier. And they just played the best brand of Counter Strike we'd ever seen at that point in time. They had this style where they essentially played every two v two and three v three sort of as a unit in a way other teams didn't. And they all, they could sort of, it's a bit like what Strauss could do later. They could always make you make the mistake late in the round. So when you watch them in this tournament, they just felt unbeatable. No one could beat them, even teams that took them super close. So that was good. Now we'll come to Vitality. Now here's the problem. You can just start with the teams, which is, if you look at the three teams, Into the Breach wasn't even a good team before this. They weren't even a team online that did stuff in tier two. They were nobodies. They would play these small CCT tournaments and not even go deep versus nobodies that you never heard of. Also, the players are nobodies. There's one player anyone's ever heard of called Crucial. Maybe they heard of Thomas when he's briefly and envious in that dog shit flashpoint tournament I run. Crucial is just someone who was a failed, washed... A Dutch Orpa just spent like 10 years not doing anything relevant, basically. And then suddenly at this tournament popped up, and then they had this guy, Saifu, who's like 20 from the UK, no one's heard of, except UK people, who just popped off. That team was ranked up outrageous when they went into this tournament, like 28th in the world or something. Or maybe they weren't even ranked, they might have been like outside the top 30. Then in the semis, you play against Apex, like a couple of known players, a couple of up-and-coming people, a guy you've never heard of as an IGL. That's another team that, like, online, they're, like, not bad, but they're nowhere near competing to be in the big tournaments. They're not going to be, like, the team you see go deep at Cologne or get into the Blast, etc. So there's another team where it's, like, that was supposed to be Team Liquid. You didn't face them. Then in the final, the Gamer Legion team had just had, aside from the semi they won, one of the shittest runs of opponents I've ever seen to make the final of a major. They just played nobody after nobody. The one time they played a good team, they'd lost. And then they got to the semis. They beat Heroic. Amazing. 
Iraq looked shit in that game. And then in the final, they looked all right at times and they clearly just fell apart. So actually the quality of the matches is just not that good. Like it's only close when Vitality sort of like starts slow, shit in the bed a little bit, probably a lot of pressure on that point in time. He's supposed to have the freest run ever when you get these opponents. And they still always close it out. They still never lose a map. There's nothing, you won undefeated. You, you faced the lowest ranks opponents ever. You didn't lose a single map ever to them. By the way, that means when they pick their map, which is whatever they want aside from the one you banned, they can never beat you on it. I can tell you right now with the eye test, Vitality's not a team that has like six maps they're godlike on. Just they, they, nobody on these teams had the players to beat them. They couldn't do it. And so the weird thing about this whole thing is, I don't know why it's a problem. There has to be a worst there has to be a worst run, and there has to be a least impressive run. That's just by definition. So the weirdest thing, I think, to me about this whole thing is all the, like, excuses people give don't make sense. Like, people keep telling me, yeah, but that can't be true because those underdog teams beat the best teams to get there. It's like, that's the same logic every fucking time a team makes the final, you cretin. They have to have beaten the teams they played, but since every other team was better and beat better teams... That makes them a better report. So it's so bizarre as a fucking logic. So to me, it's a, I, I don't even think this this one you can just do on factual grounds. But you can also look at the eye test angle. It didn't look impressive. The joke at the end is, and this is real, if it wasn't for the fact the Immer guy, the Romanian player, was a breakout on Gamer Legion, on the last half of the tournament, just slowed right down and was getting barely any kills, he was literally going to steal the MVP from Zewu, who won the tournament, even if he'd lost. Because this guy's numbers were so crazy for this underdog team that he was just going to get it. Like, every, And he's played a totally different role. It's hard to get kills from, in theory. So like that tells you how Zewu and Vitality almost made a fucking dog's dinner, even though they ended up winning, they ended up getting crowned, all that jazz. And even just add in as a final thing, I don't personally buy the crowd thing where I don't think crowds help you because I think they can help and they can hurt. Like, for example, if they hype you up, maybe you make an extra play, you fuck it. But I'll tell you what they can do. They can make your opponent play worse when no one in the venue wants them to win. So if you have underdog teams, some of them never been in a major, never been close to a major. Imagine being in the final, playing a French team at the last CSGO major in France. Everyone wants them to win. Every fucking person in that building. Like, mate. The second you have a bad round, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear a complete silence in the crowd when you make a good play. It's it's a nightmare. So to me, I think it's opening short. You you guys can disagree if you want. I just want to add uh, <laughs> one 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 thing because by the way, I don't even really necessarily disagree. I'm more sort of throwing out you know potentials. But on on the Cologne uh, angle, on the 2016 Cologne one, I think, and I would I have to ask this first because part of this is when we use the word easiest. Obviously, it can be interpreted in a slightly different way because, for example, let's just say if SK are so much better than every other team who's considered like tier one or one of the top teams, then someone could argue that, you know, any... I, well, to put this in a better way, at MLG, the previous major, they didn't drop a map. They did not drop a map at the oh, previous major. they dropped major. one to VP. No, no at MLG... Quarters. Yep, they dropped one. Every tournament, they dropped one map to VP in their two runs. Oh, did they? Okay. It's in the then... quarters they played them. Ah, okay, okay. Then and that did. was a close series, so that's why it sets up my yeah. side. You've accidentally done yourself on that. Yeah, one. no, that's I thought right. I did think they <laughs> went 2-0 on the problem. previous one. I'm trying not to be an arse, yeah, but yeah. you are coming onto my home turf here. Yeah. I'm just camped out already on all the territory. I've got all my snipers. I thought they didn't drop a single map. That was the one map they dropped. Yeah, then yeah, then, then, then the narrative doesn't that's work. Because I was going to say, because then going in, like... That would play See, down the... Uh... L9000 never fails me, Hobie. He never fails me, so... <laughs> I cannot open those pod, balls, pod doors, Rich. I cannot open them. Oh, yeah, they did, yeah. And then they must see The pod that. bay well, doors. 
all right all move, moving yeah. on then fox it's, it's, all, yeah. it's all good <laughs> to be fair that actually was sort of a thematic metaphorical representation i was vitality i didn't even put my back into it i just easily <laughs> dispatched of you know wow. the, the onlookers coming in who aren't really established csgo top analysts you know so it's a metaphor it's all right yeah. because rich is the one that edits this he'll just it is true yeah. Just yeah. All it, yeah. <laughs> this is a three topic show happens. unusual yeah yeah it happens yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's unusual yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on to our um, our first topic of the day, uh, <laughs> let's talk about some League of Legends, shall we? Um, there's been a lot of spicy drama happening over in uh, in the NA scene, specifically with the announcement that Riot is no longer going to be supporting the Challenger League uh, over in the uh, the LCS. So if you're unaware of, of what this whole system is, essentially you've got like the LCS, which is the top NA region, and then underneath that kind of trying to emulate i guess the american sports uh, system you've got like your sister teams down there in the challenger league where uh, as part of the buy-in to be a franchise team in the lcs you had to own and support a team in that lower league in the challenger scene right so all of all of your favorite teams you know liquid tsm c9 whatever they all had their version of their challenger teams which was designed to in theory you know, breed American talent, and and then you can bring that up to your to your main system, and blah blah blah. You know, it was meant to be one of those kind of ecosystem thingy jigs. I'm sure it, that that's what they said. I'm sure it had something more to do with money, uh, which is why the announcement was that they that Riot is now shutting down the Challenger League, or specifically, I don't, I'm not sure if that's actually 100 accurate, but they're, they're making it so that LCS teams are not contractually obligated. Everyone's dropped have... their team as well as far as all the big teams, basically. Yeah, I think there's maybe like one or two that have kept their challenger, their team. I think I may have seen that. But e either way, it's like the LCS teams, the organizations now, they don't have to pump all this money into into a completely failing... Yeah, just this, this money pit that is the challenger league. Um, and they don't have to do it anymore. So most of them are just simply not. This has now created a stir with the, the players and the LCS PA... Can you believe we're talking about these guys actually doing something and having an impact on the infrastructure of North American League of Legends esports? Uh, obviously, LCSPA being, I assume, you know, the LCS's player association. Uh, they're, 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 they're not happy about it. That's a lot of jobs that have now been lost, obviously, with the Challenger League not, not existing anymore. And there have even been threats of walkouts and strikes even from LCS players, not even just the Challenger players, like obviously Challenger players, you can strike if you want, you don't have a job anymore, what we can do about it. But the, the LCS teams, the LCS players specifically, are uh, talking about taking drastic action as well. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big old kerfuffle here and a, a lot of change in the, in the North American scene. This has come, come at the same time as, as we'll actually explore a bit later as well. Uh, the questions around the, this solidity of the uh, the lcs as uh, a lot of teams are kind of questioning whether they even want to be involved in it at all guys uh, my question to you here though is just what do you think about this specific situation with the with the challenger scene being taken down uh with lcs teams pretty much uh unilaterally agreeing uh or opting out of fielding challenger rosters anymore uh, just generally, I want to get your thoughts on it. And do you think, you know, just like the health of the NA and, and like League of Legends in general in NA, how's that going to be for you guys uh, moving forward? I started with you in the last one, Rich. So, Thorin, give me your thoughts. Basically, 
I actually can see all sides to this. Like, if I'm a pro player, I would, even I'm an LCS player, the reason I want NACL, and this is one of the things, if you saw the episode we did with the guy who's the player association guy, it's why I wouldn't have invited that as a guest. I consider that an incredibly compromised guest who has an obvious ideological bent. And spoiler, you're just never going to come on my show and direct what I say and what my conversations are. You can say your takes, I'll give you all the time in the world, but you'll never tell me what I say. So there's a reason why I was quite hostile to that guy, because essentially he just wanted us all to agree with and paint the whole thing only from a player's perspective or the or the, even the PA's perspective. So I just thought that was insane. So if I'm a pro player, the secret, dirty secret why I want Academy isn't anything to do with the idea they're going to develop a blabber and bring him up for me or that the tacticals... No, 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 because I don't even give a fuck about tactical now. He's kicked out my team if he's on the squad. The reason why is so that if I'm shit for a split or a year, I go down there. I've got an interview coming soon where a player who's a top, top player who's won many championships even says he loved the time that he got demoted and went the, the challenger, he said, basically, you don't have to scrim because there's just no requirement to. You basically just play a solo queue. He said, you get paid like 100k a year because he was in the top org. You just bing chill for as long as you want, mm. but you have all the housing and the healthcare and all the rest of it. And you just wait for your time to come back up when someone fails in the LCS squad. And he essentially described it as like it's the dream. You're just having a fucking cool life. Now they make it sound like it's all grinding, it's all people making it, it's all about NA talent. Notice they don't say it would be the best argument ever. The real examples of how NA talent's like consistently developed or what the costs are or show a cost balance or that buyouts make it worth it. Spoiler, if any of these things were the case, I'm almost certain they would use these arguments. What they're doing is not taking it to an area they don't think they're strong. So the thing is, as a player, I get why you'd want it. I don't really buy, quite frankly, this angle, by the way, that they will try to claim, which is that you need all your teammates to also, like, have come from NA or whatever. Like, I, the stupidest thing is, a top pro in LCS, as long as he can play, would have his whole teammates as important so he could do better worlds and he could win the championship. Meanwhile, if you made it so that, like, the whole league had no importing at all... You, even without NACL, you've automatically created NA jobs and you'd have loads more people getting better. As a region, you would never be that good, in my opinion, but you would definitely get better NA players, better talent, more experience, and they'd rise to the top. So to me, it's one of these ones where they want to have their cake and eat it and they want a very specific thing and, they, and they're trying to make themselves sound reasonable doing this. Then if I go to the org side, this is my biggest problem. The orgs are getting told stuff like, hey, you get three million a year and you know what? Some of you are only spending. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I bought this business for $10 million. Like, I get to choose how much money I make. I get to do that. You know how when you're a pro player, you go there and you negotiate for the highest salary you can. And you don't give a shit if I got it all from VC and I'm going to go bankrupt next year. You want that money and you want to be paid it now. Well, I want to pay the minimum possible and I want to have the lowest cost possible and I want to min-max my cost and get the best result for the lowest amount possible. And it's very rare you get a Steve Arhan set or a Jack when he bought perks who goes, you know what? I'll actually spend six, seven million dollars and try and win worlds. There's a, there's a rare on the ground. TSM never have done that ever in history, by the way. They've never had a blockbuster mega paid lineup. Bjergsen was on a ridiculous contract for years that he signed like a fool years ago and he was like the best player in the league and he was getting paid like six best money or something stupid like that. So they were always getting off on that. Cloud9, the reason they used the amateur players was to not always have to do that except for the perks year. So if I'm a team or owner, Adult, and, and also, you're balancing fucking league against the other games in your ecosystem. You don't actually like Rocket League and Rainbow Six. They just apparently have a better, like, skin fucking deal where you get more money back for it. So what you do is you take some money from there, that you use that to buy perks, then you hope you're going to get more sponsors the next year from having him, and then you've got some more for your CSGO to it, and that's how you do it. It's been like that in multi-game orgs for years. These cretins also talk like this is the NBA, and this is the one franchise. It's a fucking company that supports everything. So by the way, if my LCS team goes broke, that means the fucking 
org could go bankrupt and then we all lose our jobs. So they're not even ignoring, they're not even addressing that part. Then how about this? There was a story I saw the other day. I just saw the headline, so it may well be nonsense if you read it, who knows, where it just said exactly what I thought of when I saw this news because people's whole thing is like, no, you should like force them to have it. In fact, you should force them to spend X amount of their money on the academy. Like, there was a story where it said that in Norway, they'd increased like a high level of tax by something like 1.1% and like 30 billionaires just left the country immediately. That's why these things don't work, you idiots. You can't make someone spend millions of dollars on a fucking thing like this. It's, they're not, they haven't got a gun to their head. It's not Stalinist Russia, mate. They have a choice, and even more, they have a choice of all the other esports. They'll just say, I won't fucking piss my money away in this game. I'll go to Legal Valorant or Dota 2 or fucking CSGO or Rainbow Six or Dota or whatever, Rocket League, all the other games like PUBG. I'll go to these games instead and spend my money. So what are you going to do if you do this, if you make it harder and harder for the owners is... They won't do your utopia and get together and go, we shouldn't spend as much money here. What are we doing? They'll just leave. They'll just go elsewhere. Richard always says it. They want the game on easy mode. So they will exit the fucking ecosystem. And you're already going to see it when TSM does. There's no one stepping in for TSM's spot who's going to make an org like TSM with the legacy and heritage they had. And they'll never have the TSM fans. So what happens is, God forbid Team Liquid and Cloud9 leave. God forbid even uh, even smaller ones like FlyQuest leave. Once all these teams leave and you have new orgs, oh, I love this guy's toast and that. You, that's you on Reddit, dickhead. There's not going to be 200,000 people love him and want to tune in and watch. You don't know what you're talking about. That's nonsense. So to me, you're just threatening the ecosystem. And then there's the whole thing of they don't know the fact that because it was presented like it was, but you get three billion, you're only spending it like... Tell me the fucking payroll, dickhead. You have all the players. You know all their contracts. Just tell me how much each team loses because you're making it sound like they make money from League of Legends. If that's so, they would lead with the number. If you have a number that's sick on your side in esports, you always see it. If you won't say the number, it goes against your narrative. That is a rule. You can apply that lens in any fucking part of the industry you want. So as a result... If you don't know, currently to be a competitive team in the LCS, you have to spend millions. Because as I said, if there were academy players making 100k, people who are actually good players in the LCS, they're making a million dollars. Then there's like, the you think he's an average player, like washed veteran, he's making 500k, or he's making 400k. And that's with like his healthcare, the housing, all that shit. And the stipends aren't that much, by the way. You get a nice money from the revenue. I've even heard, because Riot refuses to include the skin sales, LCS loses revenue, or uh, loses money overall. They give you the revenue cut. I think they do that before they apply costs, otherwise they'd be fucking nothing. There'd be no profit. There's no profit sharing. You're sharing revenue. That's how fucking stupid this concept is so the dumbest thing to me is this what you're telling the team who has to now keep this academy squad is right you should just spend like about two million dollars a year and have an academy team that won't actually help any of your results in worlds or lcs and then you'll come about sixth or seventh lose early in the playoffs and won't be relevant for worlds and have no fans two million dollars there 1.5 to two million or you can spend three to four. You can oh sorry, you can lose one to one point five to two million and do that. Or you could lose three to four million, have a chance at top four, but as a result, in this case, if you have the choice, the first thing you're going to ask of the four million you're losing is the 600, 700k for academy. That's going to make it manageable. But now you can go to worlds. Now you can sell your sponsorships. Now you can activate worlds. Maybe you can go to MSI. There's two teams now. Suddenly it's all to play for. So you're all losing money. So there's no world where it's like, just do less. It's like, it already doesn't work that way. And second, lastly, you don't know how markets work, guys. They, unless you literally have 
a fucking cartel, which is illegal, or an actual real union. You had to have a real one where every player signs up in a real collective bargaining agreement like the NBA and the NFL and all those leagues. Unless you have that, you are not allowed to actually get around the table and say, here's a salary cap, even a soft one. It was implied heavily that Overwatch League had one, and I've heard a bunch of times they came close to getting fucking banged on by even potentially the government for that shit because it is illegal to limit people's earnings in that way. So basically, when people say they've all overspent, like you're 10 years too late, that was the VC, you fucking moron. That's why Rich isn't a fucking LEC owner right now. He didn't want to sell off all the equity of the org and gamble that you come top three and even then you still lose and bleed millions for years. And the joke is, these teams might not even be around to this. That's why people have to sell and get the fuck out of the, L the LEC eventually, no matter how good a job of min-maxing they do. If you made money playing, Misfits and Schalke would be here now. They were some of the greatest dogs ever at min-maxing. The point is, it doesn't work in the long run. And eventually, there's so much money from the VC, you just pay, you just get accept the buyout. Why don't I just leave on a high? Leave with some fucking money from this experiment. I'm just losing all my company's money. So people don't get it. When you create a market, by definition, the prices and salaries of the players are set by the highest bidder. The person that's why Noah Winston fucked the LCS up the ass, as he told you he believes in fucking communism and that actually he thinks that owners are too greedy and should be more transparent. He wanted them to be transparent so that he you would all see he was paying people twice as much money. That's what he wanted to show you and to swag in your face. So if you know that, there is no choice to go. I'm going to be like Ents in CSGO, not a closed circuit, and I'm going to just min-max, and I'm never going to take VC. One, you can't have an LCS spot without VC. They are $10 million. Nobody is making anywhere close to that profit in a decade. Secondly, if you pay the $10 million... In for a penny, in for a pound, mate. You may as well keep getting VC. You may as well keep pumping it up. You may as well choose yours like Team Liquid where you go all in, then have a fallow year if you cloud nine, then have a bigger year when you go back in again and try and win. At that point, you may as well try and be the best, get your foot in the door and be in the LCS forever. So the idea you could sit around and go, I'm just going to pay like, you know, what people should get paid. All that shit, like a pro player doesn't need to get paid. You're in fucking Narnia right now, you fucking cretin. You're not even talking about anything that we can accomplish in real life unless you're on some like fucking I Love Genie, like, Unless you can change the whole world, it's easier to just do what I'm talking about, do things like ask Riot for more money. Here's an idea. That, figure out what the minimums you need to run an academy team and just tell Riot to give each of the teams that allotted amount that they can only spend on an academy team and they can't put an LCS. Why can't Big Daddy Riot, who makes billions and billions and billions, so many billions, that fucking the Chinese government told Tencent, you made way too much money. We're just going to take half of that to enrich the country of China. Look it up. They go and do shit like that. Riot themselves are laughing with all the fucking stock they sold over the years. Like, the two people that make all the money is Riot Games and the fucking pro players themselves. And now the pro players are battling Riot using the teams as a fucking pawn to try and go, they should pay us more. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Half of them don't even do interviews in media. They think getting a pentakill makes them get paid $700,000 a year. They don't even know the industry they're in. And even though all those people, like, we got to educate them. You won't educate them on that, though, will you? You'll still pretend you're in the Norwinston Marxist system where actually Jack from Cloud9 is just laughing. He's sitting on a Scrooge McDuck pile of money. He's making a hundred million and he's paying you a million. What a dickhead, aren't he? He's losing money with his org, you fucking clown. When he signed perks, he actually gambled like the whole future of the org. It's just because he like parlayed enough into that world run and then somehow tricked Vitality to fucking buy him for as much. Like he essentially found a greater fool in that analogy. So <laughs> people don't know how crazy. Like, I don't blame you. Three or four years, I didn't know this shit. I was coming from the outside. I was like, should just run it. Respect. Like, I didn't know how VC worked. I didn't know, like, the arms race that gets started. The second you all get on it, you can't get off the ride at that point in time. You're all the way down. 
The more VC the others get, the more they can pay your players. So now you've got even worse players. So suddenly, you're not signing Vulcan. You're not even in the mix. You're signing Zazel, who should probably be in Academy. You're signing some fucking guy from some shit at Oceanic place that no one cares about. Like, basically, if people don't know, I can see all sides of this. Except, by the way, the Riot Games one and the fans one. The fans want all this and they're outraged. But they never watched Academy and they'll never watch fucking yeah. shit players at Worlds if they're bad. But they'll cheer like a motherfucker for Prince and Berserker. They fucking love Beardson. They love impact they just like good they're liars their actions show they don't tell the truth and then in terms of like the actual fucking riot games angle and by the way the same fan spends zero dollars he doesn't contribute a cent to any of these teams directly or the league or academy even don't even watch academy and then for riot you're just literally you've got multiple golden geese just churning out golden eggs and then you're for real like six years five years ago turning to reggie and going hey reggie why don't you put some more money in league of legends dickhead it's like, why don't you, motherfucker? So there we go. That could have been Thor and Stocks, but I'll give you that one as well. Fucking hell. I don't know how you're going to follow that one up, Rich, but uh, it's your turn. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take it from a, like, a slightly different standpoint because I think there's like, surrounding this whole thing, there's just a fundamental misunderstanding of like franchising. Like, obviously, there's been this sort of quasi movement recently of like, ha, see, we told you franchising is bad. It's like, franchising is not the problem. It was never the problem. North American franchise models for traditional sports are like the most lucrative, successful thing ever for teams like in the whole world. Like, yep. it is a utopian dream for those teams. Every, even the shit market teams are all super profitable yep. because of how it's structured from the ground up. Like, franchising is not the problem. It never was the problem. The problem, uh, as with everything, is all the devil in the details of how these things actually work, what the revenue streams are. And it all comes back to the reality that esports is not worth anywhere near as much as people thought it was worth or would be worth and people banked and put in money and vc came in based on fake projections people being greedy people telling lies basically about how big esports is and would be and it just never lived up to that but people spent like it was already there that is like the the biggest crux in esports in general of why all these issues come out when it comes to sort of player salaries this is I mean, par for the course, players are paid like League is really big and really successful. And it's not. But their salaries are based on that. So they are all overpaid. These people who are rumored to be going on strike or doing a walkout, you are all overpaid. Like, there are maybe a few, a few exceptions if you brought down everyone's salary and the guy who's on the league minimum is actually worth what he says. But as Thorin says, it's not like any of these people ever even go the extra mile for anything anyway. They never, like... The, the amount of people who actually actively try and build up their brand and, you know, set up YouTube channels or actually try and give back to their the org that pays them the money with outside of the mandatory, here's the interview because you've signed for the team, say nice things about us. It's, it's so few and far between. Like, it's so low effort. And the idea that there's going to be like a full-on strike that's like backed by anyone for all these people to basically go out and complain and cry at clouds is absolutely ridiculous. Um, that's the first thing. The other thing which I don't think we've touched on yet. But like, if you actually look at some of the demands that the L uh, LCSPA is making, some of them are just completely delusional. Like asking for relegations to be reinstated. 
Like, great, brilliant. So you guys just have zero understanding of economics or business on any say, level they whatsoever. They do claim that the relegation promotion would only for the teams that get added. Not the original franchises can go down. It would just be like some teams can add and then they can get relegated next time, which sure. sounds weird. But, but the problem with that is, even with that, and based on, on what I saw the guy saying, and I believe what is implied in the text as well, is they, they would most likely want extra slots to be added to help accommodate this. And by definition, you are devaluing what people have I mean, already paid I mean, why would the owner who currently has a slot want that? Yeah. Like, if like, you have something worth 10 million, why would you want someone else to have it and make it worth nine? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for people who really struggle to see that, just imagine there are a thousand slots, right? Like, obviously, you didn't want to pay 10 million for one of a thousand slots. So, yeah, it's just... Uh, well, it's delusional that you'll be able to get everyone on board for that kind of thing. It just devalues everything. So, yeah, to me fundamentally because i believe all pay players basically almost without exception are massively overpaid we just have this circle of outrage which keeps spinning on its fucking heels where we've got the community getting up in arms because again they've always been very player centric and oh the, this guy that i like he's upset and i want to support him and riot bad teams even worse it's like don't get me wrong there are bad actors in all sides of this but the reality is that unless you fix the fundamental issues in terms of financing the actual teams, then none of this stuff will will work or ever resolve itself. And as Thorin said, the problem is not as the PA claims that, oh, it's just irresponsible spending. Obviously, there's shitloads of irresponsible spending, but that's not the issue. The issue is there is no path to profitability at the moment. There is no path. So you're going to look to cut. You're going to look to min-max. And it's actually a fiscally responsible thing to do to suggest cutting the academy team. If I have VCs that I have to answer to, I'm not thinking, ah, oh, poor Steve, who's currently getting paid way more money than he ever should have been given to be a fucking grandmaster level player playing in this fucking academy team. I have to answer to the people whose money I am spending on behalf of and explain why they're in the red every fucking month when I could easily just cut this thing, which has next to no value currently. And yeah, I, if I'm going to fight, I, I ultimately I am employed to fight on behalf of those people. And it's not necessarily this black and white thing of that's evil or that's bad. It's like, no, if you're the CEO or the CFO of a company, you have an intrinsic responsibility to represent your shareholders and their money and the best in their best interests, not necessarily the future of uh, breeding talent, which, by the way, hasn't been particularly successful anyway in the North American fucking Challenger League system. And that is just the reality. And it's really easy to criticize because, again, if you only ever go skin deep, you can always just say, oh, they're taking away jobs and they're taking money from players. And blah, blah, blah. These jobs should never have existed in the first place, arguably. It's like... You know those adverts they used to do where it's like the best job in the world, you can win on a radio contest, go and look after an island for a hundred grand a year. That job doesn't need to exist. It's not offering anything to society. No one watches fucking Challenger League, as Thorin said. Like, you are basically being given free money. It's, you know, how, I mean, WNBA would be like a good example as well, right? Like, they can actually do it and get away with it because the NBA is so universally successful across all parameters, teams, the organization itself and everything, that it's whatever, it's a drop in the ocean. But that still gets loads of grief because people actually understand still it's being fully subsidized by that system and it cannot stand on its own two legs, but they can get away with it. And that's fine. Like, whatever, if you're that successful and that profitable, do whatever the fuck you want. It's spare money, right? But in this case, no one's doing well. The teams are doing horrendously. They all want to get out of the fucking league. Riot's not gaining anything from it. They get no viewership. No one wins apart from the players. So shock. They're the ones who are basically saying, 
we want to have our free jobs where you give us money and we give you nothing back. That is a reality. So I have very little sympathy for this situation. Obviously, there are broader issues which are more worrying in terms of the future of, of the LCS and where that's going. So obviously, want to try and find fixes for that. But in terms of like, whose side am I on or whatever? I mean, no one really. I, all I would say is I just empathize most with team owners who are looking to cut fucking costs. Like, yeah, that's an obvious cost that you want to cut. And I don't think it should be a controversial one to suggest that, yeah, probably if I have the choice of not having a mandatory fucking challenger team, guess what? I don't want to have one. And if I was in a meeting with Riot and they said, guys, we're going to do a vote on this. Who wants to have a challenger team? No, I'm going to be, I want to cut costs. This is way too expensive. Can we cut this arm off to save the rest of the body? Yeah, let's do it. So I think people need to sort of reverse the lens they're viewing this for a little bit and not just get the immediate sympathy, which maybe should be there and kind of like, ah, he had a job, now he doesn't, that sucks. But beyond that, there's nothing more to it, really. I think it was not an effective system anyway for breeding talent. It's not like, oh, now uh, NA is going to go to Worlds every year without a hope in hell because they don't have this constant assembly line of talent. That never existed in the first place. You know what the issues are in terms of fixing that are, like the actual issues with the server and all the rest of it. Let's not pretend that this was like, you know, uh, this is going to be a bad thing to lose. It's not really produced much anyway. So, yeah, that's that's sort of my thoughts By the way, I have one other thing to add, which is the worst thing about the whole outrage is the people it splashed back on is the actual people who currently play the, play the LCS players, the teams. Everyone hated on the teams because they each announced we'll get rid of our academy team. If you actually listen to the academy guy, the player, the association guy, what he was actually saying is what they're mad at is that Riot just cut them out and said that they'd inform them of what was happening. And then they just basically came to them like, right, we've let them just cut all the teams. What they really are mad at is Riot. Like, basically, Riot put a bunch of, like, as they always do, they paint themselves into a corner and go, well, we're in a corner, no way out of this, even though you tell them, don't do it. So what happened was, because you had to live in LA to run these teams, the minimum you can pay a person in LA apparently is like $60,000. And then you have to pay the housing, which costs way more in LA. And then you you have their healthcare, if they have even have that in an academy, I'm not sure what the perks are in that sense. So basically, because it was costing 607000 minimum, that's why people instantly cut it and also wanted it cut. If Riot themselves had said, as he himself suggested, things they apparently suggested, like maybe you can play remotely, maybe they move the server, maybe you move the academy to Chicago or somewhere like that. Somewhere it's an absolute shithole right now, by the way. So you can essentially like move to Middlesbrough so you can just have fucking cheaper costs. Like, basically, they just wanted that, that was the solution. Well, the idea there would be, if you could make it like half as much or it's 200k yeah maybe you could argue with cloud nine yeah do it that way then it's only 200k now you've saved 400k but the problem is riot themselves it sound like didn't give a fuck about that and as usual i've always told people this and did this lens not pay off like a motherfucker the real customer of a franchise league before you ever make a profit is the person who buys the franchise it is not the fan it is not the pro player and it will never be so as a result what did riot do they served the people to paying them the 10 million and not the people who would be extracting more money from the ecosystem from the people who paid the 10 million. It's not really hard to see when you look at it from that lens, is it? So the maddest thing is, in theory, everyone should be mad at Riot if they really care about Academy. Riot's the one who hasn't like enforced this and set it up in a way that's more manageable. So you can what you do, there's a famous saying that every good business deal is a compromise from both sides. Depends just how much. Everyone gives up a little bit of something to both get what you want. So in this case, if the if they say we would do Academy, but it has to be cheaper, and then the pros that we've got to have Academy. And then Riot's like, well, we're not either there. Then you make a deal where it's like Academy's cheaper and you have to keep it. But they didn't do that. What they basically did is just sort of say, 
Okay, teams, by the way, here's the behind-the-scenes shoes. HSTSM, HSCLG, I've heard of massive orgs that are up for sale right now or would sell tomorrow if the right buyer came in. I basically think some of these people would exit LCS if you kept the costs too high and they thought it was too high to go to Worlds. So I think essentially you didn't make a deal with those people. So everyone's mad at the teams because you can get mad at Jack and Steve. They have the balls to come in front of you with their face and their name and their brand and tell you why they cut the team, for if you believe their reasons. Riot never had, doesn't have a commissioner. There's never a person who says, I made the decision and I thought this was right and I cut them out and apparently according to this I don't have any reason to disbelieve they lied to the PA so it's amazing that Riot doesn't get any of the splash back in my opinion it seems it just all goes to the teams seemingly at the end of the day NA League of Legends is in a bit of a, uh, a tight spot and also I'm from Europe I don't give a fuck NA can die go away <laughs> I'll just have Europe give to Europe two more spots and we'll have Europe versus China and fucking Korea there you go there's Worlds Europe versus not really China a popular Korea. opinion that I mean, one but you know it would just be Korea and China, and then we, we'd have the odd one. We get we the odd need, upset. We need NA to exist so that we aren't the git among the pigeons. Okay, I see that angle. Okay, I see that one. It's true. So it is imperative no to keep okay. NA in live support. Exactly. Now, I just it seems like a shitty situation all in all, but at the, like the thing I don't quite grasp is like maybe people just don't understand like. These people playing challenge, these players in Challenger, are getting paid a fuck ton of money for what? That's that's the thing. Is like, it's it's just it's not sustainable. And like at the end of the day, I wouldn't blame the organisations. And it does suck for the players and the people involved. You know, uh, who've built their lives around uh, having this Challenger scene about, and then it just you know the rugs ripped out from under them, and, and bam, like that. You know, that does suck. Like that is just inarguably a really bad situation, but. Surely, it, it it just can't be a thing. Like if 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 Riot is making money hand over fist with their with their esports, then maybe they can prop it up and and whatever, which they have been doing. Like pro they've been propping up the the, the challenger scene, but it, they're not making money hand over fist hand over fist from esports. Like it just isn't. Like you can't you can't keep that kind of thing alive uh, when it's it's just dead. It just it just straight up is. And and as Rich pointed out as well, what has it really done? Honestly, what what has the Challenger scene really done? Like, not to say like it's been a detriment or even like a net neutral. Like, maybe it has done some positive things, and maybe some players have come up through that, um, through that system. But ultimately, it's considering how much is being put into it, it is not proportionate at all. The benefit that you're getting out of it, and I do think like uh, if you are if League of Legends in NA is struggling. And you need to cut costs. That is something that just make it makes sense to get rid of it. It it makes sense, and that does bring us on to our next point as well that we're talking about here about the struggles of NA League of Legends and the LCS going on. Their their woes continue as uh, the biggest, I would say, the biggest brand of all time in Western League of Legends, TSM, is looking to leave the LCS and go join the LPL instead they're looking at closing all of their league of legends divisions down uh, in the west and picking up camp and, and moving it over uh, to china uh now regardless of what they're going to go do with it whether the lpl thing is is is, is going to happen or, or whatnot rumors of you know the biggest brand from league esports is there's bigger than 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 uh I mean, I don't want to say it's bigger than Riot, but you know they've been around since before like the esports 
uh, League of Legends esports has, was really solidified. Like, they sure. were around from like season one, like doing all those events and uh, and all that stuff. Like the cult following that TSM has gained is really second to none. People are still chanting TSM at live League of Legend League of Legends events when TSM haven't been good for like half a decade, man. And even that's longer than that, right there. That, really that's actually good. legit marketing when they straight call it up. like that. Even as a joke, straight that's legit. Up. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. Uh, and they could be leaving. They could be leaving the LCS. Um, guys, I want to get your thoughts on that as a whole of TSM leaving LCS, what it means for, for TSM, what it means for League of Legends in North America. And, and as well, if they are, as they are rumored to be going to the LPL, what are your thoughts about teams being allowed to like swap regions? Because I know we also had a little, th this was um, something that was rumored when the LCS first announced franchising we did have teams from eu apply to be in the lcs i'm sure they felt like they've dodged a bullet there but i remember reports of like fanatic yeah, on. oh no the other they way around you meant yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, tried yeah. to they tried to get into yep, into nalcs um yeah so what are your thoughts about being able to swap regions like that and just you know the impact of tsm perhaps leaving rich i want to start with you yeah, I mean, obviously, all these things ultimately come down to just fucking paperwork and what you've agreed to do or whatever. But I guess in principle, I don't have a big issue with being allowed to swap region. Like, of all parties are happy. Like, obviously, Riot from the URA decent owner perspective and from the selling team and the buying team. Like, I don't really take issue with that. I do heavily question it from TSM's perspective. Not in terms of, like, leaving the LCS. I think if I had an LCS team... There are no circumstances under which I wouldn't sell unless one of the richest people on the planet came in and said, I'm going to give you an absurd amount of salary and budget to just field whatever team you like every year. That is the only circumstance under which I'd be like, okay, well, cool. Um, outside of that, I think it's just responsible, basically, as a business person to want to leave the LCS. For TSM, though, I'm, I'm very confused as to why... I get that part, but I don't get why you want to jump into another region. Even China, which obviously viewership-wise, for people who don't know, makes up the majority of League of Legends viewership, like, period. Um, I just don't really get it because, first of all, sure, TSM, as you sort of introed, huge name value. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much may, you know name value they actually maintain in LPL. I wouldn't have thought much. I don't think anyone really cares over there. Uh, how much money is going to be required for them to get a competitive roster and to buy in the buy-in itself and to develop like an Asian following. And I don't know the answer to these questions, but I think it's an extraordinary risk to take when you do have so much name value and profitability in the West to risk this. I think it's crazy. I think it's the kind of thing where the costs associated with running a very competitive L LPL team buying into it and then doing all the things required is so high, it could literally just tank your whole organization, even TSM. So to me, it's just an extraordinary risk to take and a completely unnecessary one. And by the way, for me, and I think for a lot of people, TSM hasn't been about winning esports tournaments for a fucking long time. Like, I, I don't think they need that. I think they've always sort of in the last however long angled more towards streamers and personality and brand and all the rest of it. I don't think they need this. Obviously, if it went incredibly well and Chinese League continued to be as big or even bigger than it is right now, there, I'm sure there are angles for interesting things there. I just think it's a weird... I think the risk versus reward just doesn't add up to me at all. 
Um, I mean, the big problem in general with the sort of ever-growing clarity on the situation surrounding like LCS in general is what what is even the current value of a slot? Like TSM can say they're leaving and going somewhere. Who's buying and for how much? Like how how much money are you actually going to recoup? Because remember, keep in mind, just because you buy a TSM slot instead of CLGs, they're worth the exact same amount of money, right? The exact same amount of money. Unless there's some deal involved with like current player contracts that maybe they want to inherit. The slot itself is a slot. So a TSM slot's not special. It's not worth any more. So I'm not actually sure how much they're expecting to sell for. Um, I mean, I coined the term investor carousel a while ago when it came to sort of how the franchising slots sort of went ar around. But that okay, investor carousel only really works if there are some metrics that indicate some kind of growth. Like even if the asset isn't profitable, there has to be some metrics, whether it be viewership or whatever it is that shows some kind of growth. Because if you're making no money, you have to at least show that the asset is growing in some way while it's making no money. And I think now, even with a lot of VCs who obviously were fairly ignorant about the space, however long ago, they're surely getting more educated now. And they're surely exposed to some of these red flags now. So those would be like the big questions I have for TSM. Like, how much are you actually going to be able to sell for? Are you going to be able to sell for like a meaningful amount like at this point in time? I don't know if, if that's correct. And then, okay, let's say that you do and you're happy with the amount. How much is it actually going to cost you to go to LPL? And how much is it going to cost you to put out a competitive team that Chinese fans give a shit about, which you can then sort of brand? And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's crazy not to leave, but I think it's crazy to once you're out to, you know, as uh, Al Pacino said, to get dragged back in. I just think it's, <laughs> I just think it's crazy. So, I am curious to see how the uh, TSM brand holds up in China, as you mentioned. Like, who's going to give a crap about TSM? The thing is, though, that way back in like season in, in season one, T uh, League of Legends was relatively big in China still, uh, but they all played on the North American servers, right? Um, and, and so there was still actually there are ties from lpl or, or like chinese league of legends to na league of legends but maybe that was just so far in the past like we're talking about over a decade now that uh maybe that's all just uh you know chaff in the wind what do you think though thorin what are your thoughts about tsm leaving lcs and potentially joining the lpl uh, obviously rich covered a lot of it there so i would just say first of all on the idea that like maybe other teams will do it as well like the key thing rich said there is like how much does an LCS team even go for? Remember, we've seen all the reports on the LEC team sold, though Heretics purchase of Misfits, the BDS purchase of Schalke. Like, the one for Misfits, they claimed it was something like, I mean, they didn't even technically buy the whole thing. They sort of bought like part of the stock and bought in the company. That was supposed to be like 30 million euros or something outrageous like that. That's why Astralis apparently wanted to sell. You'll notice there are no fucking prices attached to any of the sales in the LCS right now. Go and Google it. Go and look how much FlyQuest was bought for by the Viola family or whoever the fuck it is. The people that own the Florida Panthers. You don't see a price. Go look at how much the people bought CLG for. There's no price attached to it. By the way, when there's no number, even secretly, that means the number is really bad again. The same lens can be applied. So actually, when you consider European slots might be going for 20 to 30 million euros, it makes it sound to me like an LCS slot. Is it even the 10 you bought it for? 
Is it even that? For all we know, by the way, for some of these, if it was really losing prospect like CLG, maybe it's like you just get $3 million, but it's like, yeah, that's $3 million today. I'm not losing a few million. I get rid of that dog shit academy thing. I'm out of League of Legends where I didn't really want to be. You know what I mean? Maybe it's like that and you go elsewhere. So I would even say for TSM, this is an angle people haven't even thought of. I wouldn't even be surprised if because of the FTX thing, which is the biggest deal ever, and they're not going to get most of that money, they might even be hurting for fucking money. Or at least they don't want to take all the profit from that dog shit blitz app with all the scammers and shit on there and put it all into a black hole called the LCS, which they know now they don't win in. So I don't think there's much to say there. Like I don't think many teams leave. Or if they do, they go forever. Maybe if it was a big team, you transfer to LEC. There might be a world there where there's a new horizon opening. You've got a talent pipeline. You get a Peter Don, a Mac. Suddenly you have the talent coming through. That can make sense. The biggest problem, I think, is you can't afford to lose a team like TSM because of the heritage. You will never build up a fan base in the same way. That took 10 years. They were in the first 10 finals. They won, what, like five or six, seven titles or something like They won loads and loads. You can't get that level of success. Also, lol at Reggie because he promised it never happened. And he made all his ego about that. And he's fucked the whole thing. And here's why the LPL one's terrible. As Rich said, it's really hard. That game is really hard. If people don't know, especially with LNG signing Gala, there's probably seven really good fucking LPL teams that can all go to Worlds. You aren't going to be one of them as TSM. And the other thing is this. I think the funniest part about this, no one else knows. I might do a video on this whole topic. Just this is one of those ones that's a bit like that episode they did about LS and how Koreans treat certain people where it had to be deleted from the internet because people couldn't handle the heat. There's one like that about China. Basically, people might have heard the story that you can't get certain amounts of money out of China in certain ways. They just keep it in through tax or you have to have a partner there that you pay a fee to even if he doesn't do anything. It's worse than that. I've heard stories of companies going to China and getting their fucking ass handed to them by China because they do things a different way there. They have different ideas of what's like moral in business or even what's legal. And spoiler, in Korea and China, they the, everyone who's in a position of authority sides with the Chinese guy over you every single fucking time, no questions asked. So they'll let you come in initially and pay them a load of money and buy a slot and then here's what they'll do they'll sell you all the they'll all agree to sell you the players for more than they're worth and no one will ever give you a fucking break you'll never get a word of all the top talent that's coming up Pe by the way peter zhang did a mini version of this he just tooled you all mm. i told you i did he just embezzled millions there's all reason why Bo wasn't in the team because he probably got more from the other guy there's probably a better deal stupid Bo was probably like, why would i pay you to join tsm i am just good spoiler you didn't get to join tsm there's all that shit about the kiadu guy the like it sounds to me like when you go there you are going to just be a bottom feeder still spending probably loads of fucking money i doubt you're ever going to make progress if you are i think reginald will just have to not be involved and at the end of the day you're still owned by an na owner so i have just massive problems with the whole concept there's a world i think also where they say that now and then go we just couldn't make it happen guys we just leave lcs and they're not in league of legends anymore and they're just soft playing that people aren't ready for that eventually so yeah. and then lastly you are so fucking pathetic if you're a TSM fan and you're like, well, it just makes business sense. I'll support them. You won't. You don't watch LPL now, you dickhead. You don't even know how good JDG and BLG were. And worse than that, you actually won't give a fuck when they're in the LPL in the worst time zones ever for your region. Like, I just think the whole thing's just, it's just such a, it's one of the worst stories. There's almost no upside to it. Essentially, the only upside is maybe TSM was losing money and they leave LCS, but is that good? I doubt it. <laughs> It's like NIPs in the LPL, right? Now they're also they're, one of the worst teams. Yeah, right. It's like no one cares about that. And obviously, NIP doesn't really compare to TSM, but uh, yeah. And how it's... many people, by the way, knew that little fact, that little tidbit that NAP, NIP was in the LPL and had forgotten it? I'm one of them, by the yeah. way. When you said I'd oh. completely forgotten that they were in LPL, yeah. completely forgotten. It's... 
And I think yeah. it was even implied that might have been like they got bought into in some way, but the branding went or You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those yeah, yeah, yeah. dodgy ones that are, I think, from what I remember. And if you want to know, by the way, the NIP team was like, I'll quickly look what they were in spring. They were near the bottom, though. Let's have a look. Uh, they were 13th, the 17 teams, and the top 10 make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day as well, like, are you really going to support TSM when they're filled with Chinese players you've never heard of? You know, like, I just... I don't oh, know. One last irony, which is the whole reason Reggie was never able to abuse import rules, aside from Bjergsen, is because he actually used to say, I don't want Asian players. I think it's a bad idea. I'm only going to get Europeans, and it just didn't work, unfortunately. So the joke is, after all that, you just go on all Chinese. And by the way, <laughs> the whole reason everyone told me they were a genius for getting the Chinese players in 2021 is because they had Lena, who speaks Chinese. That ship sailed. Mm. Reginald doesn't barely speak English. <laughs> I mean, he weren't lying. He wouldn't wouldn't bring the Asians to TSM, so he's going to bring TSM to the exactly. Asians. Exactly, Mohammed must go to the mountain. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's move on to our last topic of the day here. Switching over to Valorant, uh, some uh, some juicy news has come out come about where in Singapore, one of the Valorant professional players bet against his own team, match fixing scandal through the game, earned money that way to pay off some gambling debts. Yada yada yada. Uh, we've all seen match fixing. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not a new thing in sports and in esports being no exception. Uh, but in Singapore, the biggest uh, thing to take away from this story is, is the man's been given a prison sentence for doing this. Now, it's only four months, which isn't, you know, isn't the longest thing. And he had a, he had an accomplice who's been essentially sent to rehab. <laughs> uh, I, I read the uh, the article. It's it's yeah, it's basically like a. It sounds like prison, honestly. It's like one man's been sentenced to like four months in prison. The other bloke they've sent to a correctional facility where uh, you, you you live in this place. Your food is restricted. Your activities are restricted. I'm reading that. I'm like, prison? <laughs> Just another prison? But no, apparently it's very common for... For, for drug addicts i think so, they like um, half starve you there by the way to like build up your inner character or something i was reading so honestly it doesn't good. sound pleasant whatever it is either way it's more uh than the punishment that we see here in the west when the professional players often receive i don't want to say a slap on the wrist but in, in comparison a slap on the wrist where they're banned from like competitive play maybe find a little bit from their organizations but certainly nothing compared to a prison sentence guys what do you feel about legal sentencings for uh, players cheating in games or max match fixing etc that kind of thing do you like it the way that uh, singapore's done it here or do you think that's a little bit over the top dorian what are your thoughts i'll burn through this pretty quick right basically first of all if you look at the details of the story apparently these matches were in 2021 there's one reason why match fixing through the legal system doesn't work it has to be the game devil enforce it because you can't stop them today you have to wait for the whole legal process to play out and go to court and appeal and go back and forwards and establish it and all the fucking expert wins it's a nightmare it's an absolute nightmare it's why the west just doesn't even happen even when the fbi supposedly was investigating nacsco match fixing nothing's come of it so far so basically that's already why i don't think it's that good an approach and i also think the kinds of people who are involved they're not going to know enough about esports to really know what the fuck they're doing like imagine this case probably if you don't know in those countries often connected to like gang activity i imagine that was maybe even the route through it and they maybe had an informant maybe you can do that good luck doing that in any where there isn't a triad like it's just actually a bunch of dickhead players in a fucking discord and you don't know what discord is so then also there's two jokes i'll do quickly which is one 
he's had a prison sentence for four months, but he's escaped a different prison sentence of having to play Valorant professionally for four months. So there's one joke as a CSGO player shot across the bow. Second one, they're sending him to rehab. That's the shittest Amy Winehouse remix ever. They tried to send me back to rehab. I said, no, no, no. Yeah, they fucking play Valorant, you daft cunt, and match fixing. So that's not even rock and roll, is it? Just garbage. Also, just imagine being the guy in prison, right? You turn, what are you here for? Raped someone to death. What about you? Match fix, Valorant. Valorant, why don't you play CSGO? Look, I'm already in fucking prison, mate. Can you give me a break? So then all I'll say is just on the idea of like, do I think, it... listen, the saddest thing is, even stupid things that recently happened in CSGO, like an org knew they were going to cut their players, so they told the players, essentially, you can just go buy all your stickers from the old majors, oh, yeah. and then the second you get cut, it'll go. That is literally illegal. That's like a form of, like, stock manipulation, essentially. All these things, by the way, in the real world, fuck people going, you should be banned for a tweet. In theory, the police should investigate all of these things, every form of matrixing. But in the West, it's never going to be pursued in the same way. And I'll tell you one little detail right now. In Valorant, the best team over all of last year wasn't the loud team that was towards the end. It was the optic gaming team from North America. Now, one of the players in that team, Marved, used to in CSGO, it's just never been convicted because of the way the evidence works. Supposedly, he was part of a match-fixing group or ring or he did it himself. Now, he got to go to Valorant, a totally different game, run by Riot Games and just be one of the best players in the world. So if you don't understand, there's the other worst thing about the West. People will go, oh, you're abandoning this game. Wait a minute, that would make you valuable to me if you could come play with me. If you don't know, Baby Bay, who's also in Valorant and was in Overwatch, he just straight up cheated. I think got a VAC ban in CSGO. So we just don't police these things in the West. The real police have to come and do it. And if you know anything about the court system, the last thing it is is quick and fucking, like, decisive. So, like, it's cool in a way that, like, in Korea, you can sometimes go to prison. Or in this case, you can get wrecked, but... I just don't, I don't see a world where it'll get applied evenly, and I don't think it'll ever be more than just a novelty story. What do you think, Rich? See, yeah, I'm going to go a bit away from, like, the realism aspect, because I agree, like, the logistics of going through the courts. By the way, spoiler, this is why players who threaten orgs and vice versa, well, they never end up in fucking courts. Like that Excel story, yeah. It's just, it's always the case with these kind of things, right? But I think from, like, a moralistic standpoint... Uh, maybe some people find this a bit extreme. I think match fixing and cheating, hacking in any form, like, should be illegal. And I think it should be on your criminal record if you do it. Maybe yeah. like a one strike and you're out system, like especially if you're under 18 or something like that. But again, that's uh, par for the course of all, all laws, right? Um, but yeah, I think that even though you would have this, like, uh, these these things do take a long time to play out, I think if let's just say the government of any given country announced like these things will be illegal and they are punishable by XYZ, starting with like an immediate fine or whatever from 2025 or whatever. I just think instantaneously overnight, you just have a massive dip in cheaters. Like I do. I think that pe- right now, whoever Bob deciding whether or not he's so bad at fucking Valorant that he might download code hook or not, like that's, that's just something for him to think about. But if it's like, that is literally illegal in the same way that shoplifting is illegal. I don't think he's going to do it, or I think he's going to be far less inclined to do it. So I would like to see all cheating and max fixing, uh, max match fixing punished legally, apart from anything else, from a selfish perspective, because I like playing games and I don't like being hacked again. So that would be nice. <laughs> if that number shot down, then uh, I might, you know... For example, ever since they did that, like CSGO went free to play, if you didn't buy the game, those matchmaking cues are fun, aren't they? Like every fucking weasel's got a little uh, little wall hack here, little aimbot there. I've got a legacy account, so it's not quite as bad, but, you know, it's still there. Make that shit illegal, and I'm pretty sure that most of these people will disappear. So, yeah, 
I'd even have a system. I know, again, this is not uh, in the realms of realism, but you just get a mandatory fat fine if you're caught, you know, VAT banned or whatever, and then you have to go through some massive uh, appeal system to get it back. Like, the justice is at the end, if you like, if you've got a problem with it. So, yeah, I, th I say fuck them all. Send them all to jail. And if you have aimbot <laughs> and wallhack at the same time, 25 years, maybe? 25 years. 10 with good behaviour. Who knows? I think... Uh... As, whenever there's there's money involved because if, if you're thinking about this not from like match fixing in esports but let's say you know like i don't know cristiano ronaldo was caught match fixing in in uh football like what would the ramifications be what would his punishment be and then you can kind of draw like a similarity between those two however having said that at this point in time esports is such a fresh industry and no one i mean even people in esports don't even really know how to manage esports but like certainly no one in the lawmaking process or or the legal system will have any idea what's going on like it's just not a good idea at all to 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 mix esports with uh with with legal things because it's it's just gonna i don't know i i think it would be very hard to enact justice in that sense but i wouldn't be so opposed to you know similar similar punishments to if someone was like scamming over a casino compared to because you know they'll come down on you. They'll come down on you hard if you were doing that in the real world. And and match fixing in esports, I guess, is kind of a similar vein. But yeah, I don't know. I think we're a ways away from seeing anything happen on that front. And on that note, I believe we've got everything covered for today's uh, video here. Side so so Anything you guys want to add to the topics that we've mentioned today before we say goodbye? Have you all said your piece or anything else? go with no everything i'm getting some nonsense i just want a one one word answer from thorin of if you found out actually two words i guess if you found out that tsm were actually going to buy into the lec one would you like to see that and two one word for this one as well which team would you like to see them replaced oh, yes God. and i would like them to replace astralis yeah <laughs> if there's like one do you hate astralis more than tsm would you say not really. I mean, they both no. just got bag hogs full of liars. So, but the difference is TSM has more money. So, fuck it. And they bring the TSM fans. At least they'd watch Europe. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, there you go. If someone gets his wish, we will be chanting TSM in the LEC studio uh, this time next year. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Have a fantastic day, and we will see you next time.